0: From Kurtco Media.
1: A jungle resort in a 14th-century fort, an intimate hideaway in the Israeli desert, a wellness retreat in Portuguese wine country. Today we are going to explore all those and much, much more with the CEO of Six Census Hotels and Resorts, Neil Jacobs. I'm Bruce Wallen, and this is Travel That Matters. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Travel That Matters. This is the podcast where we explore the world's most exceptional and meaningful travel experiences, and we meet some of the fascinating people who make them possible. Now, a big part of our whole concept at Travel That Matters is the issue of sustainability. You know, traveling in a way that at the very least is, is doing less harm to the environment, and hopefully, at the same time, having some tangible benefits for, for local communities, for wildlife populations, all the things that, that we all love about travel and make travel so wonderful. This, of course, has been a very hot topic in travel in recent years, and for good reason, of course, but even with all the attention that it's getting, sustainability itself is not a reason why people travel. It's something that, you know, maybe they seek it out from their hotels or, or in the activities that they choose, but it's not why they travel in the first place. Why do people travel? Well, I mean, for me, I feel like I'm kind of a simpleton in the sense, but the, you know, the main reason why I travel is to have fun. Many other factors involved, of course, but fun is core to why I travel and where I choose to go. And And of course, I am obviously not alone in that regard. So when we're talking about sustainability in travel, if we want to make it more of a motivating factor, if we want to make it a reason why people travel, we've got to make it fun. My guest today is pretty much the godfather of sustainability in travel, and he's also a ton of fun to talk to. I am very honored to have him here today with us on Travel That Matters. Neil Jacobs is his name, and he is the CEO of Six Senses Hotels and Resorts. He's a beloved figure in the travel industry. He's been a pioneer of sustainability, dating all the way back to his days at Four Seasons. He's definitely been one of the absolutely critical figures in making sustainability that frontline issue that it really is today in the industry. He also knows how to make sustainability fun, and he has some great thoughts and stories on that subject and on the many new hotels that Six Senses is opening up in very, very cool kind of under-the-radar spots around the world. I'll tell you, looking at all the places where Six Senses has or or will have hotels— they're in places where you just don't see many other luxury hotel brands. I, I We're talking, like, you know, a 14th century fort in the jungles of Rajasthan, a, a beach resort in Oman where the check-in is by Hang Glider. They've got a new project in, in this remote part of Iceland where some very interesting locals live. You're going to hear about that. I certainly haven't been to many of these places he's talking about, but after talking to him, I am super excited to check them out. And I know you will be, too. So... Let's get to it with Six Sense's CEO Neil Jacobs. Neil, great to see you. Welcome to Travel That Matters. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Bruce. Good to see you too, as always. So, I just learned something new about you—something I did not know before. I learned that you speak six languages, which kind of blows my mind. I got to say, but what? First of all, just what are what are those six languages? I got to know. I speak the,
0: predominantly the Latin languages, the so French, Spanish, Italian, German, four, and I, I, I speak some Indonesian from my years in, in Bali,
1: so it's five, and then English, so that's the six. Well, I, I mean, look, as a as a, an ignorant American who speaks one and a half languages, I'm always impressed with the ability to, to do a lot more, but I also feel like, okay, so I, I do speak decent Spanish, I will say, but... I I really enjoy traveling through Latin America or Spain and, and because of that, right? I mean, I think it just brings a whole different level to my travels and that's why I love South America and Central America. Not the only reason, obviously. What is that like when you, I mean, you have the ability to go so many different places and have that connection. Like how, how does that just enhance your travels? Well, I think it is just as
0: you, as you said about your Spanish and Spanish-speaking world, you just get a different take on where you are. It kind of adds to the richness of the experience. I I think you you have a greater ability to make friends and and have 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 people kind of welcome you in and invite you to their homes and stuff like that. Which those are always the best parts, right? Yeah, sure. It's fascinating to me. So the social piece of it, but it's just as I said,
1: it's it's just enriching. So what does Neil Jacobs do for fun traveling? Like, where do you like to go? What kind of traveler are you? What are the things, you know, places and things you like to do? Well, what I don't really like to do is go and sit on a
0: beach. For me, it's kind of like a busman's holiday because, you know, most of our properties at Successes today are a beach resort. So every time I go to a beach property, I think, oh, my God, I'm working. Why didn't they pick the plate up? Or, you know, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that? So I really don't want to do that. I do like to go to destination spas, you know, I mean, we are in the wellness business, but we're not really in the destination spa business. So to go and really shut down and Canyon Ranch or, uh, you know, I I go to Viva Meyer in, in Austria, which is fantastic. Places like that and do a week or even two weeks and I will come out of that absolutely refreshed. I'm a great supporter of TED, so often I would go to the annual TED conference. And that to me is like vacation because they're so intense and it's four or five days and you it's
1: frowned upon if you're caught networking and and talking business. So we know that Neil Neil does not like to sit on a beach for fun. He likes to go there to an go. intense four-day TED conference for fun. That, that is a very unique sense of fun. I like that. So Six Senses is certainly known for sustainability, which is something you've championed for many, many years. But I also want to talk about the idea that, I mean, we're talking about fun. Like what do people do for fun? And I think sometimes we are so caught up in talking about sustainability or or wellness, we lose sight of the fact that, I mean, at least for me, the main reason why people travel is is for fun. They want to go and have a good time wherever they're going. And that might mean learning. that might mean sitting on a beach. It might be you know exploring the mountains. And so I, I guess my question is like how is sustainability fun or how how can it be fun? And how do you incorporate that into the whole the whole ethos? You know, internally, we looked at how do we bring
0: what we do predominantly in the back of the house? How do we bring that and make it guest-facing? And if we are going to do that, it absolutely needs to be fun. So we created a few things. We, the one thing we did was create something called Earth Lab. And really, it is to showcase all the things that historically we had done behind the scenes and bring them forward. You know, for example, you know we've never had plastic bottles. And actually, we never import water. So at the six sets, you can't get a, a Perrier or a, an Evian or whatever, because we won't ship water all over the world. We have these, you know, sophisticated RO plants that kind of make the sparkling water and still water. So what we did, we brought it up front and we create water bars now in, in in every property. And the guests can come and see it, come and hang out at the water bar and see how it's made. The Earth Lab is in charge of, you know, many of our hotels have livestock. So we have chickens, we have ducks, we have goats, we have cows, we have camels. And depending on where we are, and we make stuff, right? We're made, you know, in Six Senses, Sigi Bay, in Oman, we make goat cheese and we make goat milk and, and so on and so forth. In Israel, we have camels there. We we're actually breeding camels there. In several of the properties, we have chicken hotels that started as a back of house thing and then guests found their way there and the kids found their way there and we we kind of dressed it up a bit and built these hotels for chickens that play heavy metal music in the daytime to make them frisky and and soft music at night so they can lay their eggs in peace and and so on and the kids are going up and in the rooms we have baskets they go and get their eggs in the morning they bring it back the restaurant it's a fun activity you know the the kids love it
1: so i mean stuff like that is going on all the time you know you bring up the the animals and sixth sense is certainly not alone in that but that has become more a part the the organic farms people bringing that into the experience the animals and everything like that how what are some of the ways that the animals kind of that that you interact with them like with the camels or with the like are there there activities with them There are. There are. I mean, we have to be a little bit careful because I
0: don't want it to turn into Disneyland, you know, where where you're running your camel rides through the, the Negev desert or whatever. But on the other hand, you're learning to interact with the animals. There's a piece of it which is very, very heartwarming. Doesn't mean you have to ride them all, you know. I always remember the first time I went to Miraval in Tucson, and the thing that that was one of the most compelling pieces to me for Miraval was their equine programming. They had a program where pretty much you spent a day bonding with the horse, and it started off basically cleaning the horse and cleaning the hooves and brushing it, and really it was very tactile. and. This was a highly emotional experience. It, it, it always lingered. It's how, how can we create that connection with the animal, whether it's a camel or a cow or a goat or a, or a heavy, metal, heavy metal chicken. Yeah, <laughs> a bit more challenging there. But So these are the experiences that have always lingered with me. And, and it's like, how do we create that in our way
1: at Six Senses through uh, through the animals that we have? Tell me about. I I can't re- even remember exactly what it is. But you just when you were talking about that, it reminded me. Doesn't Ziggy Bay have some kind of crazy fun entrance that you can do to get to the resort? Can you just tell me about that? First of all, tell me tell me about the resort Ziggy Bay, because I don't think you know everybody's familiar with that. And then then tell me about this this entrance, which I'm I'm forgetting exactly what it is. Well,
0: six senses, Ziggy Bay is one of the uh, legacy properties. It's, it's been around for I don't know more than fifteen more than 15 years, 15, 16 years. And it's in the Musandam Peninsula of Oman. You fly into Dubai, and it's about a two-hour drive. You cross through the Emirates and then hit the Omani border, and then 20 minutes later, you're on property. And as you cross this mountain, you get to the top, and we have a restaurant there called Sense on the Edge. And the, the car stops, and they say, you know, would you like to do an alternative kind of check-in. People say, well, what what are we going to do? We say, well, come and look at the view from the restaurant. And we take people in, and there is a guy with a a hang glider. And we say, well, what we want to do is strap you in to this piece of equipment and fly you into the lobby, basically. We'll land you on the beach, and then you'll walk into... The lobby, and you're at about 10,000 feet, perhaps. So it's pretty daunting. But I would tell you that 50% of the guests do it. it took me three times I say, I'm not doing that, you're crazy. But then the third time, I say, I've i got to do it, right? All I do is talk about it. I can't say I never did it. It's extraordinary. And you just fly around, and there's that quiet there. The mountains, the desert, the ocean, it's absolutely still. It's just beautiful.
1: We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, Neil Jacobs will tell us about some of the very interesting hotels that Six Senses is opening up around the world.
0: Hi, I'm Lale Aracoglu, host of Women Who Travel, Women Who Travel is a transported podcast for anyone curious about the world. We talk to adventurers and athletes. I've raced the God's Own Adventure Race, which is on the South Island and goes through the mountains down in the Southern Alps on New Zealand. That was eight days spent out in the wilderness. And chefs.
1: Iranian food is home, it's family, it's love.
0: And we share dispatches from our listeners. Ireland is full of these, I will call them ghosts of the past. From stampeding elephants to training sled dogs, we hear it all. The dogs will curl right up with you and it can be kind of cozy waiting things out. New episodes of Women Who
1: Travel publish every Thursday. Join us wherever you listen. You know, you once said something to me about a fundamental goal of Six Senses is that you, you wanted people to leave in a, in a better place than when they arrived. And I just like, what are some of the key facts? Like, not just Six Senses, but for any trip, what are some of the things that you think are important in travel where you, you leave in a better place, in a happier place, and a better person than, than when you started that trip?
0: I, I think it's all about connection. And I think it's how we as hotel people or as hospitality people are able to provide content or activities that are honest, you know, authentic. I guess that's the same thing, but that really resonate at a deeper level with the guest. And I, I think part of that is obviously the culture that you create within within your property around the employees and how you are really training the employees to be emotionally intelligent to really be able to read a guest and and just be honest and straightforward and, and drop the formality which in in some jurisdictions it, particularly in asia it, it's difficult you know they're used to being somewhat deferential we we we, we don't want that we want them people to, to look at people's eyes to Call them by their name, and 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 so on. So it's that connection between guest
1: and employee. We call them hosts. You know that to that point of connecting with with the staff, with locals, is. I, I think that is a huge, huge part of of having a, a fulfilling travel experience. And I actually I was just interviewed about some, about a trip that I did to the Galapagos recently, and and I used an example of exactly that, where we traveled with a company called EcoVentura, and their staff was of course all local and all so enthusiastic about what they they loved the galapagos right i mean you know who 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 wouldn't love working but but i mean like they loved their jobs they were out there with us like filming and and jumping in the water with us and doing all these things and and it's just like their enthusiasm the fact that they loved what they did the fact that they loved this area completely affected our experience right i mean our experience was was so much better because we saw them enjoying and then of course it just enhanced our enjoyment and i i, I think that you know it, it's not always just staff it's also locals it's also connecting with your friends and family it's connecting with other travelers that whole concept of connecting and and connecting to a place too is is such a huge part of it and and when people love what they do it makes your trip all that much better
0: you know, let, me, let me tell you one thing we did, which, you know, we didn't know, but has gone pretty well. And what we wanted to do was to create rit- arrival and departure ritual at every property that were different at every property, but really reflected place, you know, reflected context of, of, of where we were. So. You know, each hotel was given a We guided them through it and then every hotel presented to us corporately and, and many of them were just great, a few of them were awful and we said, No, go back, do this, do that. You know, you can't do that. But it's been such a wonderful success. So you arrive in Ibiza, for example, and we're on the north of the island, so it's where all the healers live and the shamans and we do these prayers you get out of the cab or the car and there's somebody there with feathers and rattles and all kinds of stuff and we do this this kind of cleansing and the the smoke and it lasts what does it last two or three minutes right but we ask people to set their intention for their stay at six you know and some people think we're crazy um some people think wow this is super cool but nobody forgets it and everyone is different. Then we do something else at departure and we give, we would give a departure gift. So it's that initial point of contact that sets the mood where you are and, and that point of departure, which is the last thing you will remember. And, and I think, you know, in between we've got all our wellness, we've got all our activities, we've got great food, we've got great locations. And, I, I think it's a combination of all of that, and and a lot of small detail that make people feel good and heartwarming and and unusual.
1: You're giving them a begin a beginning and end to their story. Yeah, and uh, they, I do think that that really helps. It is, I mean, you know, travel is a a story. The travel experience unfolds like a story, and and that does kind of give it that beginning and the end. Of course, the you know, or people's intentions in Ibiza might not always be the best intentions. But you know, we will, I, you know, actually on that subject, you know, you guys are kind of known not Ibiza, obviously, but you're you're really known for coming into less explored destinations, places where there there aren't any other luxury brands. Ziggy Bay is a great example. I think in the Doro Valley where you guys opened, there wasn't a lot of international luxury type of property there. What is that like being the first the first one in? How does that work, and how is that exciting? Firstly, they're undeveloped, the likelihood of finding a great
0: property or great land or great environment is way greater, right? So, you know, I, I think that gives us the ability to to secure wonderful properties. Secondly, it also gives us that ability to engage with local community in a different way. When you go into as I, you know, take Ziggy as the example, or he, even if, where we just opened in Israel last year in the desert. There's nothing around you in Israel. We had quite a large kibbutz, but that was about it. So how we interacted with the commute with the kibbutz, how we become a good citizen, how we can provide some employment, and you're you're dealing with people who are unspoiled when it comes to working perhaps in hospitality who come at it just from a different perspective, you know, they haven't learned a lot of bad habits, you know, it's up to us to then provide the the necessary training, but, but to find people who have the right kind of heart and right mentality and, 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 and so on. So I think that makes a huge difference and, and sets the stage in some of the locations that we go into where we where we've been alone over over
1: time let's talk about a couple that you mentioned the the Israel property I want to uh, tell us a little bit about where that is and then also do you have other not necessarily just where six senses are but are there other kind of emerging destinations you guys you've been everywhere you kind of have a good birds eye view of of what's going on so first tell us a little bit about this location in Israel and then and if there's any other areas that you see kind of coming of age
0: well, it was the passion project of a great uh, philanthropist in Tel Aviv, a gentleman called Ronnie Dweck, who had worked on this property for about 10 years before it actually opened its doors. And we met him about four years ago, and he wanted to do something with Aman, God bless them, and he'd started doing them. And I don't know, something didn't resonate. So we got involved. Many of the structures were pretty much built, but they weren't so advanced that we couldn't make some changes. And he has this property about 50 kilometers north of Elat, which is the southernmost kind of tip of, of Israel. It's in the Negev desert. Very little has been built in that part of the country. It's a magical place. So we're very excited about it. We only have about 60 keys, so it's not it's not huge, but it, it's going to be a great success because it, it it's it's just unique in in the country.
1: Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping to finally make an Israel trip this year, so Good. I will. I will be sure to go there. That it sounds amazing. What about what else are you seeing? I mean, you know, whether it's it's a new Sixth Census location or what are what are some of the other destinations that you're excited about? I know I want to talk about this place you opened in India, which sounds absolutely incredible to me. But is there is there another place right now? Other other destinations? Well, I think it's Africa's time. I just think there's so much to do in places like
0: you know. Botswana and Namibia and Rwanda and and so on. Um, I feel the same way about South America, and not without its challenges as well. But we did open last year, the first part of the year, a little fabulous boutique hotel in just outside Sao Paulo, about two hours outside Sao Paulo in the forest. A cool Botanique, it senses Botanique. And that's beautiful. I mean it it's almost like the Hamptons of Sao Paulo. Like the Hamptons were 30, 40 years ago. That was our first arrival into South America. But we, we have announced a, a Galapagos project and we, we're the first brand to have been allowed into the Galapagos. Can you tell us a little bit
1: about that? That's very exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're going to do about a 50 room lodge and we will have a boat that will cruise the islands as, as, as well. And would like to get involved in some of the research that's going on there in the Galapagos. And honestly, the other thing that we announced that hasn't started construction yet, but I think will within the next year, is Iceland. You know, I met this lady who owned 4,000 acres in the southeast corner of the country. Most of it is, is almost mountainous, and you've got waterfalls and ravines and
1: This is not the area where most people are are going in Iceland right now, right? No, it's a good five
0: hours from Reykjavik, And there is an airport there, so you can fly there. But part of the experience is actually the drive. And we're suggesting that when we do get open, that our guests would drive one way there. Because it's just, you've never quite seen a landscape like it. And I don't really know what to compare it to. There's parts of New Zealand that are similar. But it's way more dramatic. I tell you a funny story. When I went there with the owner on my first trip, she said, you got to come and see it. This was before we signed the deal. And we walked along the flat land on the beach, black beaches, hundreds of swans. I mean, incredible. I said to her, listen, I've looked at the master plan. I don't think you've got the hotel in the right place. I think you need to move it like a hundred meters to the left. The views are better. The beach is better and and so on. And she said to me, she said, I can't do that. And I said to her, why, why, why can't you do it? I said, you haven't built anything. We haven't started yet. Of course you can do it. She said, no, you don't understand. I can't do it. And I said, why? She said, because that's where the elves play. (laughs) So I went, "Okay,
1: (laughs) you don't want to come in and mess with the elves. More dramatic than New Zealand, black sand beaches, and an elf playground on property that <laughs> we got to keep our eyes out for that one. That sounds amazing. Tell us, I mentioned it earlier, but tell me about this new property in India again. I, I remember hearing about it a few years ago when, when you were developing it, but it just looks incredible. Yeah, we opened it in October. It is a 14th century
0: fort. It's in Rajasthan. It's about two, two and a half hours from Jaipur. You know, what I love about it is that it's a fort and not a palace. So you go to some of these very beautiful palaces, but they're very ornate. They're very heavy. Uh, they're very traditional. We, uh, You know, the, the fort wasn't like that. It was a fort. So we left a lot of the beat up, you know, walls and the patina gates and doors. So it's got a roughness to it. And yet, you know, the interior design, even the rooms are kind of, I would say, almost a bit more contemporary Indian. So you don't feel you're in this like heavy, heavy environment, it's it's only got about 45 rooms. That are, they're all suites, a, a lot of outdoor space and just spots to sit and meditate or or just be
1: quiet. You know, I mean, we've never done anything like it. So I'm quite in awe of it. The, Pictures I've seen too are just jungle. Sh- it looks like, you know, something out of the jungle book to me. Yeah. You know, that, that abandoned fort, but then it's a beautiful six senses resort inside. It is. Wow. That is, that's incredible. Okay. So is there anything else that do, any new hotels opening up soon or, 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 you know, in the distant future that, that you're excited about?
0: Yeah. Well, this year we should open Rome, which is right in the center, you know, five minutes walk from the Trevi fountain on a side street, beautifully done, rooftop with 360 degree view of of Rome. And and it's interesting that, you know, Rome for such an extraordinary city, doesn't have very many high-end hotels. There are more more coming. And again, big spa, we'll do a club. We want to bring community in and, and participate in what we're doing. So that's probably September. Without being controversial, we will be one of the first to open in Saudi Arabia.
1: That's a whole, that's a subject for a whole, a whole episode of Travel That Matters right there. A very, very interesting subject. I, I've, I've, I've spoken with people on both sides of the, of the matter. And look, that, I know the, I, I assume you're in the Alula region. Well, well, we're actually not in Alula.
0: We have three projects. We're in the Red Sea, we're in Amala. And we're in a place called Diria Gate, which is nearer to Riyadh. You know, I've been on both sides of that argument, actually, and landed where we landed. So perhaps another time we should talk about that. We'll also open in Morocco. We're restoring three kasbah in the southern uh, south of Wazazat, So just before we kind of get sub-Sahara, a few hours from Marrakesh. And we're looking at places in Fez and, and Marrakech. So we see Morocco as being very much a circuit for us, that we could do four or five properties, all small, but but very distinct. And these casbahs are just amazing. I mean, 15 rooms, 20 rooms, just so much history, so much culture. But we now need to be in Marrakech. So we have a hub in Marrakech, ideally in the Medina. And then we can use that as a
1: stopping off point for for the casbah morocco yes morocco is another it's it's just it seems like a perfect destination for for six senses and like you said to go out to kind of you know have the place in marrakesh but then also go go out beyond and encourage people to go beyond because there is so much more to that country than than just marrakesh clearly yeah you know we've talked a lot about the properties and and what you guys have going on what are you excited about in the world of travel i mean clearly we're coming out of the pandemic and everybody's or Hopefully everybody's excited about that and optimistic, but what, you know, long-term, what are you most excited about and optimistic about for the future of travel?
0: I'm in the camp that it's never gonna be the same as it was. People are never gonna be the same as they were. And that motivation has changed that mindfulness has increased. And that we're never going to go back to where we were, whether that be in travel or life in general, you know, how we live, how we work. I actually think people have become more pleasant in the last two and a half years, you know, they, they just, I think people are nicer to each other. But with that baseline that people do want real takeaways, that they do want to come away with some level of learning. I mean, I don't want to make this sound like a religious, you know, but that it's not enough to just go and, you know, hang out and chill and, and there needs to be something else going on. I think people are going to do less multi-destination trips than they did, you know, it's like a frenzy. Let me go to three countries in 10 days. So I, I, I don't think people want to do that. hundred percent agree. And I think Just this growing awareness of 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 health and wellness, and people really looking at that now when they choose a vacation. Specifically, what is being offered in that arena, whereas before it was like, "Ah, do they have a spa? Yeah, they got a spa. That's fine." But people are digging deeper, and you know, thank God, the whole sustainability story—you know—the train has finally left the station. People are talking. The younger generations are looking for properties and places that can fulfill their conscience, if you like, about what they should be doing and not be doing.
1: That's a very optimistic look at the future of travel. More, more concerned with sustainability, more concerned with health and wellness, and just nicer people overall. Which I, I you know, I think you've got. To, I think you're onto something there too. So I, I, I love that positivity, that outlook. I I also have loved speaking with you, Neil, as always, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Me too. Thanks for having me, Bruce.
0: And now for the Wallen Wrap-Up.
1: I am very curious to see what Six Senses does in Morocco and the other parts of Africa that Neil alluded to in our chat And that fort in the jungles of Rajasthan, the the resort in Israel. I mean, these are definitely places I want to check out. One place that I'm not so sure about is Saudi Arabia. That is a very controversial subject in travel right now. Should you or shouldn't you travel to Saudi Arabia? Neil said that he's been on both sides of this argument and, and well, obviously he came out on the side of, yes, you should, given that uh, Sixth Census has a few few hotels under development there. And I'll tell you, I mean, some of the places that we discussed, the, the Red Sea Coast, the desert region of Alula, that place looks amazing. It's supposed to be, you know, the same level of awe and historical significance as, as Petra and Jordan. They sound amazing. I mean, 100% I would like to go and see these places. But... Of course there is the question of do you want to visit a country with highly oppressive government that among other things recently assassinated a journalist I could easily argue both sides the 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 no vote I think is pretty straightforward it's just I don't want my money going to the Saudi Arabian government and and you know contributing to these types of acts of oppression and violence the yes side I think is a little more nuanced it's you know it's rooted in this idea that travel opens minds, opens communication between cultures and, and, you know, hopefully in the end, it helps bring some positive change. It's, you know, basically travel is a force for good or, or can be a force for good. I firmly believe that that can be the case, but, you know, there are place, parts of where like North Korea, where, you know, you have the tourist experience is so controlled. I don't, I don't think it really makes much of a difference in situations like that, but, you know, North Korea is a great example though. That's, that's, an extreme right but there are plenty of countries all over the place that that aren't so clear cut that you know we might disagree with politically but but still visit china i've been there and i wouldn't hesitate to go back again israel that's another place that a lot of people might not want to visit for political reasons and look as an american i also realize that there're plenty of people around the world who disagree strongly with our government and our policies should they still take a trip to California? I think so. But, you know, obviously that's their decision and one that they have to kind of weigh and make for themselves. And that's really what it boils down to for me. It's do the potential positives for for me as a traveler and for the the people in places that I'm visiting, do they outweigh the negatives of, you know, contributing to a government that I disagree with? And I think we all have a line. It's constantly shifting. Countries are changing, we're changing. For now, with saudi arabia i kind of right in the middle i'm straddling the line i i know it's a cop out but i i just haven't decided yet whether it's a place i'll i'll visit or not and i would love to hear your thoughts on the subject so please please post your comments to me on instagram at bruce wallen travel or shoot me an email at bruce at kurtco.com that's bruce at c-u-r-t-c-o.com I'd like to thank Neil Jacobs for joining us today on Travel That Matters. For more information about Six Senses and some of the amazing properties we talked about today, please check out our show notes or visit kurtco.com backslash Travel That Matters. This show is produced for Kurtco Media by AJ Mosley. Music by Joey Salvia. Assistance by Monica Kelly. I'm Bruce Wallen, and we'll see you down the road.